This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You know, the word inspiration is so overused and really doesn't mean anything. And she is a model, of course. But when we look at her courage in the face of impossible situations, and that she was able to figure out a way around those, here is a woman who is acting on her beliefs at every moment of her life. That was historian Dr. Cheryl LaRoche talking about one of the most remarkable women in American history, Harriet Tubman. In that clip, Dr. LaRoche reveals how Tubman was able to escort more than 300 slaves to freedom on the Underground Railroad between 1850 and 1860. But that was only one of her achievements. As we'll learn from Dr. LaRoche, Harriet Tubman was a celebrated abolitionist, military leader, spy for the Union, and suffragist. I'm Alain Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We are bringing you 100 of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. Dr. LaRoche, who is both an archaeologist and an historian, is an expert on the Underground Railroad, and she teaches at the University of Maryland. Harriet Tubman was, of course, the railroad's most famous conductor. She was born a slave in Maryland around 1820. Over time, this determined woman, who could neither read nor write, became the Moses of her people. She was also the first African-American woman to serve in the U.S. military. Listen and learn from Dr. Cheryl LaRoche why Harriet Tubman is one of Seneca's 100 women to hear. 
I'm speaking today with historian and archaeologist Dr. Cheryl LaRoche, and we're going to be talking about Harriet Tubman, the great abolitionist, known famously for her extraordinary role as conductor of the Underground Railroad. Dr. LaRoche, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Well, we want to talk about Harriet Tubman, one of the most larger-than-life figures uh, in history, ex-slave, the most famous conductor in the Underground Railroad, soldier, spy, something many may not know. What should she best be remembered for, given all of these multiple roles that she played? I think that Tubman should best be remembered for her courage, for her creativity, for her inventiveness. Here's a woman who could neither read nor write. And, you know, you there's laws in this time period legislating against it. And I think people think it's out of ignorance that illiteracy arises rather than out of legislation. And here's something that she had to overcome. If you think of all of the things that Tubman had to confront and overcome in her life, the awe, it is awe-inspiring. And I don't think we really understand the insurmountable things that were in front of her that she actually overcame. You know, that's so well said because we know the name Harriet Tubman. We know what she's famous for. We don't know all that much about her as we should, but we certainly know even less about what you just discussed with us about her extraordinary courage and character and the obstacles that confronted her. So you're an eminent scholar, Dr. LaRoche. What was it about Harriet that drew you to her? Well, at first it was like everyone else, her work on the Underground Railroad, that is the area of my expertise. But as I understood her more deeply and I watched her understanding of human nature, I watched how carefully she must have studied the land and the skies you know, that she had a grasp on her world and the people in it that was uncommon, that her success, which seemed so very, um, I don't want to, the ordinary isn't the right word. Her success seems commonplace. And yet when we take it apart and look at the people she was being confronted by, the laws of the land, some of the richest, most able, most important people in the country are looking for her. And she is able to circumvent all of that. And the skill set that she brings to her work, I think, is deeply misunderstood. And so she is my hero, but it's not so much because of her work. I read about many heroes on the Underground Railroad. I read about many extraordinary exploits on the Underground Railroad all the time. But her level of success, her consistent level of success, and the regard, the high regard with which great people, the abolitionists and John Brown and all of the existentialists up in Boston and the great people who were around her, who met her, all held her in great esteem. And those are the things that add to her luster in my mind. So interesting. Well, I know you're a, an archaeologist as well as a an historian. 
What does archaeologists have to tell us about Harriet Tubman and her life? How does that fit in here? Well, you know, um, I'm not a part of the archaeology that's taking place now, but what archaeology does is often uh, either amplify the historical record, um, confirm the historical record, or in Tubman's case, it will be um, it will become the historical record because as we look for the traces of Tubman in the ground, it fills in the areas of our knowledge that we're unable to access because there's no written material. In terms of Harriet, we did not understand her birthplace. We did not understand her early life, where those things were taking place. And archaeologists are now investigating those questions. They're now down on the Eastern Shore looking at some of these questions that were never filled in in the historical record, or we thought we knew one thing and now we're learning something else. And even though, and this is something that I think is very important about archaeology because people always want to know, well, what did you find? Mm-hmm. Just the location. If, if, if archaeology contributes nothing more than the footprint of the location of her birth, the footprint of her life and the structure of her life, that is enough. We do not need something that says Harriet Tubman owned this. But knowing where she is and placing her in the landscape is deeply important. And that's one of the things that archaeology does best. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned Maryland's Eastern Shore, where she was born into slavery, uh, sometime between 1820 and 1825. So we don't know exactly. What was the turning point that made her into the woman who would become the Moses of her people? I don't think that there was one turning point. I think there were small moments in Tubman's life that are constantly pushing her towards this. You know, the first is, you know, when she's very young, she runs away from the woman who is enslaving her. She's been hired out to take care of this small child. And she's maybe, I don't know, seven or eight. She's, she's young and is being physically abused, and she runs away. She hides, and she actually falls, and she is in a pigsty, and she stays in there. That's, that is a narrative of escape. Harry, the, her first instinct as a very young girl was to escape the abuse that she was receiving and to flee. So we know that as a young girl, a very young girl, that in, this, in her narrative, in her stories about herself, she talks about this uh, fleeing and falling into this pigsty to get away from the abuse that she is receiving. So that's a very young narrative of escape. And we don't think of it that way because she, it, you know, it's, she's not gone for more than a day or two. I can't remember how long she's gone, but she's gone and she escapes. So that's the first time. So by the time she's watching when she's a, a, a young teenager, this person in the Bucktown store trying to be recaptured and she gets hit in the head with this weight, she's already now observed a, a young lifetime between um, what's happening in her life, what's going to happen to her sisters. She sees the ramifications of slavery across her life. And the final decision to escape, while it may look like, and I, I make this point frequently, people think that, you, that folks are being irrational or spontaneous or, or just spur of the moment and they jump up and they leave. 
Mm -hmm. That is not how it works. Mm -hmm. You look at the icon of people who escaped from slavery. They have a little bundle on their back. They have changes of clothes. They have food. Sometimes they have other instruments and implements to help them on their journey. And this is what I would say about Tubman. As you know, she escaped twice, first time with her brothers who forced her to go back. I think that that action by her brothers really forged her into the leader that she eventually became. Because after that, there was no one exerting any force over Tubman in those escapes. Tubman had the full power. And I think it was her brothers turning her back in that first escape that made her, that, that, that strengthened her resolve in terms of you will not be turning back and you will, you, you know, you will move forward with this mission. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear will be back after this short break. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know, I remember the first time uh, as a youngster uh, reading about the Underground Railroad and and just what it was. You you felt like you were following each of these slaves who were on their way, hopefully to freedom, but you didn't know what would happen to them until they made it. Tell us, how did that Underground Railroad work? How did she conduct it? What exactly was her role? And if I recall, she was famous for never losing a passenger. How was it that that was accomplished? Look, I think that Tubman, we know that her very first journey uh, on the Underground Railroad was to come back and bring her husband out of slavery. Um, that didn't work. He, he had already remarried or found someone else. And, and Tubman, and I admire her for this, 
she had to overcome the heartache that that presented to her. We should not assume that she felt any differently from any other woman who would Mm -hmm. have been in that situation. So she had to pull her emotional self together and bring back that resolve that I so admire. And she wasn't going to waste the trip. She was already there. We see her coming back time and again for her relative. And so she's making these trips for her loved ones, and she is impacting their, the escape of many others, either through giving uh, other information or um, helping out. If she's not physically there, she's the architect of many of these escapes. And so she not only understands what to do on the ground physically to move people, she also understands how to design an escape when she's not there. So on the larger level on the Underground Railroad, and one of the things I admire about her, but about the people I study in general, is that they are able to um, exploit the attitudes of the people that they are uh, fleeing from. So, you know, to exploit the fact that they're going to be underestimated and to exploit the fact that the people looking for them are going to overestimate their talents and abilities. She's very good at that. And, you know, we know she goes south when she wants to go north. We know if you're looking for someone who's enslaved, that she will be wearing silks and satins and you won't be looking for her. What, what There's a story where she um, has these chickens that are tied together. And when the, the enslaver or, or someone that she knew was coming near her, she lets these chickens go, but she's got them tied to a string, but she creates enough of a diversion. So the Underground Railroad in general works with the commonplace, the ordinary, and the things that you will not pay attention to. So there's a great effort to just not bring attention to oneself and to blend in on multiple levels. And she was great at all of those things. And it certainly calls for exceptional ability and obviously commitment uh, to this great cause. So one of the things we do not know so much about her, uh, compar- comparably to the Underground Railroad, is that she was a soldier and spy during the Civil War. As a woman and a Black person, how did it happen that she actually led a military operation? So Tubman is part of a triumvirate. She's not there alone. She is leading this operation with Montgomery and Hunter. They're on these boats. It would have never happened without these three people. Tubman is the guiding force. She's the architect, but she has to have Montgomery's military strategy and his his basically over-the-top personality and then she has to have Hunter's authority. You know, she has to get these boats. She has to. She has these spies who have been working with her the same way she's working on the Underground Railroad in the North with these people that are informing her. She has the same kind of help with her work on the Cumbie River and that raid and working with the Union Army, working with these spies that tell her where all the torpedoes are. She could have, they could have been blown up. People do not understand about Charleston Harbor and about the, what's going on down in the Sea Islands, that many of these waterways are heavily torpedoed. 
they're barbed wire. They're all of, there's all these obstructions in the waterways that if you are not careful, you are going to basically die. And so she is circumventing that because the spies have told her where all of these obstructions are. They're navigating through all of this. And so she is there with the authority of the governor of Massachusetts who sends her down. So she has a, and and because as I had said to you, she's very well respected in Massachusetts. So she's leveraging this notoriety, this admiration that she's got in New England with the letters from the governor Andrews. And he is sending her down into the fray. So she is not just showing up. And as a Black woman in this time period, you have to understand how deeply underestimated she would have been so that she is able to accomplish all of this in spite of what society is telling her who she, who they think she is. And I think one of the things that I admire about Tubman is that she is not going to let the dictates of the time say who she is as a person. So that the accomplishment, when she gets down into the Cumbie River and liberates those 700 and some odd people, and that her reputation precedes her, that the strength of who she is and the knowledge of who she, what she can do is already there. It travels with her. So even though that there are times when she's at Fortress Monroe and she, but, and she's always doing very um, a, a commonplace work, you know, she's cooking, she's acting as a maid, she's, she's not doing anything lofty. And so I think for many years, the work that she did and the, her position as an enslaved Black woman in the United States kept people, kept her small in the imagination, in the American imagination. And I think it takes someone who's been studying these things to be able to say to the country, let's remove this small mindedness from this very great person. Indeed. Now, she was also clearly a woman of her time. And I wonder, what was her relationship like uh, with the prominent suffragettes, with the progressive women of her day? Harriet Tubman was much beloved. And she was embraced by the suffragettes. She sees women's cause. She's not far from the cause of women. She's a humanitarian. She's always looking to give back. And so she is embraced by the cause later on in her life. And she is celebrated by the women who are doing the work of women's uh, empowerment in the time period. It's her next cause. And so as she comes out of the Underground Railroad and abolitionism, she understands what the role of women, uh, what, it, what, we're, what women are ascribed to in society. Mm-hmm. And she is working in the vehicles that are available to alleviate those kinds of oppressions wherever she sees them, whether it's for people in slavery or whether it's towards women. And there's a, a great deal uh, that makes a whole lot of sense uh, when you think about it um, in terms of the complementarity and how all of this fits together. Yes. 
So what do you see as her legacy today? We started this conversation about how you would define her most, but what has she left behind? What can we take from her life? You know, the word inspiration is so overused and really doesn't mean anything. And she is a model, of course. But when we look at her courage in the face of impossible situations, and that she was able to figure out a way around those, when we look at her humanitarian instincts, so we think she's rescuing her family. So if she's a woman who is concerned about her family, okay, that's pretty small. Or we think that she is a woman who's concerned about getting other people out of slavery. That's a little bigger. But when we think about her as a humanitarian and that these impulses that first were directed towards her family and the people held in slavery were later expressed on the world stage as she moves forward with the women's suffrage movement, as she moves forward with the John Brown home for the age. So that here's a woman who is looking through a humanitarian lens, not with money, mind you. Now, most people you know, give their money away, but their hands don't get dirty. Here is a woman who is acting on her beliefs at every moment of her life. Her integrity, her integrity is is um, awe-inspiring. Her integrity is something that really bolsters us. And one of the reasons why I think that she's so often used in children's books is because she is it, the the precepts that she brings forward are easy to translate to children, and there's so many aspects of her being that we want children to inhabit, to adopt for themselves, so that they can become capable, um, knowledgeable, active activist adults. So she's she's a um, you know she's humble. She's funny. You know, we never really read this about her, but she's funny. Uh, She's a great storyteller. You know, the people would have called her a raconteur, but they, you know, it's too high a word. She's just a storyteller. So that there are all of these other aspects of her personality that we don't often think about because she's such a fierce person in history. But she's a... um, you know, she, she's someone, uh, if there were ever, there's just a few people, Benjamin Banneker and Harriet Tubman, there are a couple people I, I wish I could get to know. And those two are high on my list. Well, so many lessons uh, that we can clearly take from her and from her life. Thank you for shining this bigger spotlight on Harriet Tubman. And I think I'm speaking for so many of our listeners who are going to be prompted to learn a lot more about her and to discover so many of these exceptional characteristics uh, that you discussed with us today. So, Dr. Cheryl LaRoche, thank you so much for giving us this extraordinary, larger understanding of the great Harriet Tubman. Oh, thank you for the moment, the ability to be able to talk about her. She, it, it's always been my great fortune that, you know, I feel like Harriet sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, Cheryl, I want you in my army. 
and I'm, <laughs> I'm a willing recruit. Well, and you do it so well. Thank you. There are so many sides to Harriet Tubman, and we're lucky to have Dr. LaRoche to illuminate them for us. Here are three things I took from that conversation. First, Harriet Tubman showed the courage of someone who utterly believed in herself and her cause. She first escaped slavery when she was just seven years old. She returned and then escaped again as an adult. There was another return and another escape. She was absolutely indomitable. Second, Tubman was skilled at using psychology in pursuit of her goals. There was a price on her head for escorting slaves, but she also knew that her pursuers would underestimate her intelligence and overestimate their own. Finally, as Dr. LaRoche says, Tubman would not let the dictates of her time say who she was as a person. The idea that a black woman, a former slave, could plan and lead a major military operation must have been unimaginable to most 19th century Americans. She did it anyway and pulled off a raid that rescued more than 700 slaves. Tune in next week to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Have a great day. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.